So I grew up on a farm, and growing up on a farm is absolutely incredible because whenever my townie friends would come to visit us, they would just marvel at all of the things that you could do on a farm. Because if you're a townie, um, a, a person who, who lives in a town, that is, uh, they, what they would do is, in Thurless anyway, they would uh, walk from the square to the swimming pool car park. I spent one day as a townie. It was the most boring day of my entire life. We walked from the square down to swimming pool car park. And when we got there, we said, uh, what do you do now? Uh, walk back to the square, I suppose. So we just kind of walked back to the square going, hey, it's all, it's all, everyone we saw on the way. you know. Then we got to the square, kind of walked around there. And, Where are we going now? Back down to the swimming pool car park. Yeah, go ahead, aren't you? I thought, boring. So... When they came to our house, like, you know, we had, you know, maybe heaps of clay and stones out the back, which then was our own little off-road mountain biking course. We had tree houses, we had tractors, we had machinery, we had a whole range of machinery, all designed to kill people. Like, just, it's just so much fun. So much fun. So anyway, one of the, one of the days, we decided we'd build an obstacle course in our lawn and out into our yard, uh, and then, you know, have all these jumps and thing, and then, of course, finish it with a big skid. So, uh, one of the bikes had bad brakes. One of the bikes actually had no brakes. Well, the brakes would work sometimes with pedal brakes. Sometimes they'd work and sometimes they wouldn't. Uh, but we used the famous Irish expression, it'll be grand. <laughs> it will be grand. So uh, we, all, we had time trials then because uh, we had our digital stopwatches. So we all took out our digital stopwatches. And said, as soon as you press here, you're going to press this button which starts my stopwatch. So, so the person would stay here. They'd pass, you press the button, and then away they go, and they have to go over this jump and around this tree, and then over the thing, and then finish with a big side skid uh, in front of the barn door. So my friend Niall passed the, the start line. We pressed our buttons and our digital stopwatches, and he went over the jump, he went around the tree, and he went over through the obstacle course, did, did the slalom, and then wanted to do the side, big side skid in front of the barn door, but the brakes decided to completely not work. So I still, to this day, remember him going full speed into the barn door, flying up into the air, face planting along the barn door, and then landing on the handlebars. Reefing open the inside of his thigh. So we then, as young boys, did what any sensible young boy would do. Quick, get get some leaves and <laughs> put them there. So I went into, went into mom and said, hey, hey mom, um, how, how are you? Everything, everything good in here? Yeah, good. Um, you, you, know, you know Niall? He, he says hi. Um, but uh, I, think, uh, I, think you, I think you might need to come outside. For a second, so out comes mom, and she, she's a nurse, so she uh, wraps them up and put the bandages wherever they're supposed to be and all that kind of thing. But it, this, that expression kind of stuck in my head, it'll be grand. Now, that's very, a very Irish expression for it'll be fine in American. Uh, but I remember, because that, that expression I, I've heard a couple of times recently in slightly more serious circumstances. And by the way, in modern Irish English, it has been shortened not so much to this enormous expression of it'll be grand to two words be grand because they haven't time to say it'll be in modern millennial and snowflake language okay so be grand and the expression I've often heard this, 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 this the, the context I've often heard this expression used in uh, is obviously far more serious than when we were just having a little obstacle course with our with our with our friends at home <clears throat> so you have like experiences that I, I, I've heard from people where you know they're going out and they're socializing 
and um, short skirts and loads of drink, but it'll be grand. Be grand. What could possibly go wrong? Or yeah, this friend of mine is going to give me a lift home. I know he's been drinking, but it'd be grand. What could possibly go wrong? Or I'm in a relationship with a, a person, and if it's a he, you know, maybe he's unfaithful. But look, I mean, it'll be grand. I mean, he doesn't mean it like. I mean, he, it'll be fine. Or, or similarly, she could be, you know, interested in other fellas as well. It'll be grand. It'll be grand. It'll all work out. And and there's this da- dangerous kind of uh, between procrastination and uh, this laissez-faire uh, attitude where we think it'll, it'll just these things will, they'll sort themselves out. Everything will just end up right, won't it? And we forget that no, unfortunately, in 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 real life, right? This isn't fantasy or this isn't movies, in real life, things go wrong. And in real life, people get hurt. And in real life, marriages break up. And in real life, relationships can actually be soul-destroying if, if, well, if, if they're not blessed, if they're not of God, if, they're not, if people aren't striving for virtue. These things can, can really be hurtful. So <clears throat> when it comes to real life, the be grand attitude is really, really dangerous. And this, like our, our, our gospel today, um, sorry, our, our reading today, is delving into to, to that idea, I think, but at, at a deeper level. When you were slaves of sin, you felt no obligation to righteousness. So when you were slaves of sin, you felt no obligation to be virtuous, to be pure, to be sober, to be <coughs> honorable, <coughs> whatever it was. You felt no obligation to. It'd be grand. It'll all work out like you're fine. But what did you get from this? Nothing but experiences that now make you blush. And this happens so often, you know, when people have a conversion experience, thank God, they look back and they go, I can't believe I used to do that. I can't believe I used to go to those places. I can't believe I used to associate with those people. I can't believe I used to wear that. I can't believe I used to drink that much. I can't believe, you know, all these things that now make you blush. But at the time, uh, they seemed fine. Slightly more seriously, uh, in in this letter to to the Romans, St. Paul is really, really blunt. For the wages of sin are death. (laughs) The wages of sin are death. So when it comes to the choices that we make, we we can't just say, it'll all work out. There are serious consequences to getting choices wrong. And the older we get, like the, obviously the more serious our, our choices become. You know, when you're, when you're a child, all you have to do is decide what kind of ice cream you want. Um, when you're a teenager, you're starting to decide your subjects of school. You get to college, you're just, well, in sixth year, final year of school, you're deciding what college place you're going to get. Then in college, you're starting to decide, well, what career? Who am I going to go out with? Who will I marry? And then later, what house? Where will we live? What will we, how, will we, how will we save? How will we provide for children? You know, so the, the decisions get bigger and bigger as, as, as we grow up. But the, the principles are the very same. If I've learned the principles as a child of trying to choose not based on immediate satisfaction, but based on, on good reason and an informed uh, intellect and will, if I learn those, those principles then as a, as a child, then they're still intact as a teenager, they're still intact as, as a young person. <clears throat> so when we make decisions, it's, it's not all to avoid the extremes here, it's not all absolute mysticism in the sense that, you know, we just kind of sit in a quiet room 
saying inner peace repeatedly and waiting for the answer to come. Because that doesn't really work. And the reason that doesn't work is because God wants you to work with him. So God wants to inspire your intellect and illuminate your will that you can choose what's right. But he doesn't want you to just kind of give him all of the choices and give him all of the responsibility because you are responsible for your choices. You can't blame God for everything. So he wants to work together. That's why the Holy Spirit lives within us, to inspire our, our decisions. So it's, it's working together. It's not all God. That might sound a bit heretical. Uh, I'll come back to that in a sec. So it's not all God and it's not all us. <clears throat> because if it's all us, then we don't need God. We decide, and then when there's a mess, we call on God. But it's not all God either in the sense that, you know, you are the person who has to choose your, your, your wife if you're a fellow. Okay? You choose your wife. Now, you can absolutely, please do pray about it. Please pray about it. Please, but ultimately, you're the one who has to go over and drop on the knee and say, will you marry me? So it's, it's you and God working together. He's illuminating your intellect to say, well, look, um, you know the way last week she was unfaithful to you? I don't think it's a good idea that you get married. I know, but she's really pretty. <laughs> okay, now, so it's God and, and, and you trying to work together here. The Holy, Holy Spirit is inspiring your intellect to say she's not faithful. If she's not faithful now, she won't be faithful afterwards. Okay, you know that in your intellect. But your will says, yeah, but I still really want to be with her. It's the battle here is in intellect and will. The Holy Spirit trying to inspire both in order that we make good decisions. Because it's not that when we sin, it's, like, it's not that we sin deliberately in order to be bad, okay? Nine times out of ten, when we sin, we're trying to do something good, more or less. As in, we're trying to, to have fun. We're trying to uh, fulfill a desire in our hearts. We're trying to uh, have new experiences. Like, I don't set out to drink because I, I want to be a bad person. But then one leads to two, and two leads to seven, and then there's a bit of a blackout, and I don't really know what happened. But it wasn't my intention to blackout. I, I just, I, I just I kind of lost control, I lost count. And we are just all having the crack, and then the seventh round of shots came, and I don't really remember what happened after that. But I didn't set out to make stupid mistakes. I didn't set out to get into that car with the guy who was clearly drunk and plow into a tree. That wasn't my plan. So mo very often, most of the time, when we sin, it's not deliberately to be bad. That can happen as well, but we won't go into that today. Uh, generally speaking, we make mistakes when, when we sin. We're, it's not our intention to be bad, but we just... But St. Paul is very clear. The wages of sin are death. So what sin promises us, it never delivers on. Or if it delivers on it, it delivers on it very, very temporarily. You know, if you think like, when it comes to drinking or or drugs, or, or any sort of addiction that way. The, the build-up to it, so, so the desire, the longing for it, can be days. You know, for most people, maybe if they go drinking on the weekends, you can be longing for, the, for, for Saturday night from Monday. And then once Friday comes, Friday comes, the weekend has landed. So there's been this build-up, right? Then you go out and you're drinking, and then all of a sudden you're drunk and going to the bathroom, and so on and so forth. So like, the, 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 the joy of it lasted there's, you know, there's, there's a happy stage where you're having the crack and it's all good after one or two pints. You know, conversation is great, everything is wonderful. But very, very quickly, it goes to excess. And now it's not actually fun anymore. Then the following morning, oh my head, oh my, why is my wallet so light? And, you know, like the consequences of it are for days, 
nursing your wee head if, it's, if, if drink is the issue. But the joy of it was, was very, very short. Even like infidelity in marriage, the same kind of idea. Do you know, you have this desire, you see someone that, that you find attractive, okay? <clears throat> then you start deliberating on it. You start arranging the little circumstances where you can kind of meet the person a little more and get to know them a little more and introduce little ideas into their heads about what if, what if, what if. Then the thing actually maybe happens where you're, you're unfaithful. But then you have the regret and the secrecy and the if my wife discovers this, if my kids discover this, what if. All of that for maybe forever afterwards. Do you know what I mean? So the wages of sin are death. Sin does not deliver on what it promises. Sin promises happiness and simply never, ever gives it. Never. And so we we need to be really kind of clear. This is like using our intellect here. We need to use our brains. Because when something is presented to us, you know, when something sinful is presented to us, I need to know, I need to be really clear with myself, this won't work. It's going to promise me happiness, and it will not give it to me. I'd be really clear, like, you kind of step back from the situation and go, why would I do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm 42 and I was a priest. Like, and say, I, I'm not the least bit te- tempted by drink, by the way, just so I, I use that as an example, because it's kind of a general one. But like, it actually pff, wouldn't bother me at all. In fact, we have a slab, whatever is that, 24 cans or 12? 12, 24, 12, 12. 12 uh, cans of larger down in our cold store for at least the last year I did, like they just it's great we never use them <laughs> like they're there forever do you know what I mean it just doesn't tempt me in the slightest now other things might um, chocolate I'm very tempted by chocolate but uh, you know the wage, the wages of chocolate are well in that, in that case I'm doing fairly okay I think am I but but uh but uh, oh, look, I'm tempted by, by other things. I won't go into it. This isn't a public confession um, <laughs> yet. Uh, but but like sin, sin just doesn't deliver. Sin doesn't deliver. So certain things might tempt us, and, and that temptation is there, you know, to honour or glory, power, success, whatever it may be. But then when you think you're there, why are you still hungry for more? Why are you still unsatisfied? Why does a millionaire want to be a trillionaire? Why does a trillionaire want to be have global, like it, just, it never stops because our hearts are created for something more. Our hearts are created for heaven, our hearts are created for God, and nothing this side of eternity will satisfy that. Nothing. And so it's good to have this, this longing for God and this kind of hunger for more as long as we don't think that we can fill it with something here. Because otherwise, that will lead to sin, that will lead to addiction, that leads ultimately to death. So that's. Like it's, it, I think it's good to, as I say, step back from our own lives just for a second. Look at what we're doing and where we're going. And, and is, is, this, is this good? Is this what God wants? Because if it's not, uh, it leads to pain. It leads to hurt. And I just find it here in Ireland just really incredible uh, when, you, when you get to know people better to see how many people have been hurt by alcohol. You know, how many families have been hurt by alcohol abuse and we sometimes see it coming and don't avoid it or don't know how so in order to choose the right path God is always working with us inspiring our intellect and our will our intellect that we might know the truth that we might know what is good and our will that we might choose the good choose the truth So today, 
we ask the Lord for, for that clear, <coughs> clearer perspective on our lives, to recognize what is true and good and beautiful, and do that, and to recognize what is not, to recognize what is actually a temptation, to recognize what is actually sinful, and then and, and to really kind of declare, like to like proclaim the truth over this lie, over this sin, this will not make me happy. This will not lead to heaven. This will not actually satisfy my heart. So you're really clear about that. Ultimately, you still have to choose. But at least we're using our intellect and our will in our discernment of, of, of our choices. Is this good? Is this good for me? Is this good for my family? Is this good for my relationship with God? And if it isn't, then walk away. Because the wages of sin are death. The last part of that quotation. The wages of sin are death, but the gift given by God, the gift free. The gift given by God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what we really want. Eternal life, eternal happiness, eternal peace. Eternal joy, eternal, like, it's never phrased this way, but like even eternal satisfaction. To be satisfied. I'm, I have what I need. I have that in God. This is what we're created for. And this is what would make us happy. And everything else is a lie. So we ask the good Lord to open our eyes, open our minds, open our wills to the action of the Holy Spirit within us, that we might recognize what is good, true, and beautiful, and choose it each day. Amen.